if you have a property and it's cash flowing and you're paying down the mortgage and you're getting tax efficiencies, right? And if you have an opportunity to add upside, maybe, maybe not. If appreciation is zero, are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey everybody, Sarah Larby here. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And I've got a special episode today with the one and only Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages. Yes, she's the one that gives you the tips every single week. And uh, I brought her on today to really talk about what's happening in the market, what you can do, where the opportunities are, what to stay away from, and what you can do with your portfolio. As like a lot of us are seeing the cash flow lower and lower and lower with these rate increases. And so we have a great conversation. This is going to be applicable. These are some key takeaways that you can do and action out. And there's some really cool tips in there on, on how you can bring your cash flow back, uh, even though the rates are increasing. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast before though, we are going to get Dahlia to do her tip of the week before we bring her on to the show. Dahlia, over to you. Hey, Canada. I'm so excited to share some great news with you today. Streetwise Mortgages has expanded its reach to service investors across multiple provinces. This includes Alberta, British Columbia, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Investors in these provinces can now tap into our exclusive financing roadmap methodology. This is the methodology that helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios beyond what they had initially envisioned. It is a custom financing roadmap that will give you crystal clear clarity on financing to grow and scale and optimize your portfolio. There are eight building blocks that we go through for Every investor, including assessing where you are currently, getting clear on your real estate investment goals and what you're looking to achieve, because financing has to enable the achievement of your goals. Then talking about how are we going to align capital sources and where is the money going to come from? What makes sense to use first in terms of money tool and when? You got several money tools available to you as an investor, including equity, private money, joint venture partnerships, commercial financing, A or bank financing and alternative financing, even RSP financing. So what do you use and when is going to play a huge role into the uh, success of your portfolio and building a strong foundation? Number four is maximizing your borrowing power as you scale up. You want the lenders to continue to say yes, and you want to get access to the best cost of money. And if you don't go strategically about that, you will hit something called the financing wall. So in the customized financing roadmap kit, this is a huge building block that we focus on to ensure that you're going to continue to grow. Number five is how to structure your deals. Who's going to be on title? Do you go and put a deal in a personal name or a corporate name? If you have joint ventures, how are you going to structure these deals to ensure that you continue to grow uh, with them? We also answer any questions that you have. 
And we help you avoid the costly financing and money mistakes investors make, sometimes not even consciously or unintentionally. Uh, we want to make sure that you are aware of what those is as you move forward. And finally, we put this plan into action for you. So if your objective is to acquire 10 properties next year, let's map out, map out financing. And once you hit that goal, then we revisit the financing roadmap, update it to help you take it to the next level. So if you're an investor who's looking to scale up your portfolio or you're an investor with an existing portfolio who's looking to optimize it, or if you're looking for guidance in this environment that we're in, feel free to reach out to myself and my team for a complimentary planning session at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Myself and my team are so excited to support you on your investment journey and to guide you through the times ahead. And we are thrilled to be part of your success. Awesome, Dahlia, that was great. And guys, keep in mind, we are also talking in this podcast about some short-term, mid-term, and long-term strategies. I love the short-term. I love the mid-term strategy. We are doing a course on mid-term starting in November. It is going to be for five entire. We're doing it live on Zoom, but like live so you guys can ask questions. It is going to be on Thursdays at 7 p.m. If you are interested, check out my website and uh, go to the midterm rentals course. And that is at sarahlarby.com. And if you are interested in Inspire Beach Resort, you want to take a vacation and you want to plan an event, inspirebeachresort.com for more information. Now let's bring in Dahlia and enjoy the show. Dahlia, welcome back to Where Should I Invest? I'm excited to have you on again. And we've got some really pressing topics to talk about, but I'm glad you're on. Thank you, Sarah. So for those of you that don't know, Dahlia is the one that that presents the tip of the week. And uh, those are always, I get a lot of great feedback about the tip of the week and, and people like that because it's it's timely and it's actionable. So, but today we're going to spare, we're going to take a whole entire session together and we're really going to talk about what's happening in the market. So why don't we just do a quick overview? I'm sure lots of people know who you are, but just a quick overview just to get everybody caught up and then we'll get started. Yeah, Sarah, I'm the founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and we are a leading brokerage when it comes to income property financing in many provinces in Canada. We've actually recently expanded our reach to include Alberta, BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and New Brunswick. And we work primarily with investors who are looking to scale a portfolio. Our uh, forte really is understanding sources of money for real estate investors and knowing how to tap into the different money sources at the right times and scaling a portfolio. Amazing. And I want to say congratulations on expanding outside of Ontario. I get that question a lot. You probably do too. And now you're yes. essentially in all the main big provinces that a lot of us are looking to get into as well. Yes. Thank you. Can I, can I ask, so like what, how, like, how did that process go of like expanding in Ontario? I'm just curious, like you just get your licenses for the different provinces. Yes, it's about the licensing. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And we've we've been we've been approached by investors throughout the years asking if we provide services in these provinces. And it was just a matter of time before we got it done because there is a lot of licensing and paperwork involved. All right. Very cool. So I, I'm excited about that. But uh, let, let's talk about what's what's happening because I think I'm getting a lot of calls. I'm getting a lot of conversations from investors and students about how all their cash flow is now dwindling away with these price increases. 
They're not too sure what to do. I think there's a, a bit of panic in the market right now. Yes. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm still buying. I'm finding some really great deals, but like there's different things to keep in mind as, as we go along. So let's, let's talk about like real time, what is happening right now in the world of financing for real estate investors. So you've already touched on the key issue in terms of what's happening, really, of course, interest rates increasing and those who are on adjustable rate mortgages have seen their payments go up. Even those who are on variable rate mortgages where their payments have been fixed have reached something called the trigger rate or are about to hit something called the triggered trigger rate, which would increase their payments. So impact on mortgage payments, those coming out of renewals, seeing their payments increase because they're coming into a higher rate environment. So rates is the big thing, of course, which has an impact on mortgage qualification, because now we're qualifying deals at seven and a half percent on the A side, which is the bank's yeah, that's side. Nuts. That That is nuts versus a five point something. So higher qualification bar and softening values across different markets. Depending on where you're looking, there are variances in values compared to where values were back in February of 2022. So these are the new variables we're dealing with right now and investors are dealing with. I mean, 7% versus 7% and change versus 5% and change is a big difference. Like what is that on, you know, like on qualification, like as an example, like let's just say half a million dollars versus versus with the the new rates. I if I typically don't use rules of thumb in okay. anything, so it is really different depending on the client. Because at the end of the day, it boils down to how are we managing the numbers to qualify because. When things get tighter, we do have options on the debt management and income fronts to actually maneuver. It's just more challenging. Got it. Okay. And even just the last like few deals that we've had, because we were doing some with our, our JVs and our, our joint venture partners, it, it's also about looking at the exit for what like we're doing from a BRRRR standpoint, because maybe they qualify now at the 7% stress test or, or increase. But when the property is renovated and the after repair value, a lot of people don't qualify for that anymore for the exit. So there might be a lot of money left in the table at the end. So what strategies are you seeing people do right now? So on the cash flow management front, there are a couple of strategies on the debt side. I always tell clients, you have to look at the income front. What can you do from an income standpoint? Can you improve your rental income? Can you rent more units, rooms, short term? Can you do something on the rental front to help the situation? And of course, working physically additionally is always an option, but it's a last resort, obviously. On the debt management front, there are multiple strategies. And <clears throat> here they are. One is extending an amortization on a mortgage. So if you take a $500,000 mortgage, for example, that is on a 25-year and extend it to 30 years, you get an extra $240. And by extension, I mean, there are lenders that you can go to at the branch level and they will extend your mortgage without requalifying if your mortgage statement is showing that you've already paid down that mortgage. But some lenders re require you to requalify. Okay, but extending amortization is an option. There are lenders on the street right now who are offering 40-year amortization, although the rates are higher, but still, we're not looking to save on the mortgage. We're looking to solve a cash flow problem right now and then mm -hmm. later down the road, revisit other goals. So that's the first one. The second one is looking at your overall budget. Is there somewhere in your budget where you're making a big monthly payment that I can get rid of 
This way, although you're losing cash flow in one place, if I clear your budget and give you breathing room, now all of a sudden, it, it could be a positive from a budget standpoint or a lot less pressure. That's strategy number two. Strategy number three is you take a mortgage and you slice it up. So part of it is principal and interest, and part of it becomes a secured line of credit interest only payment. On a $500,000 mortgage, if I take half and keep it as a mortgage, turn the other half to a line of credit, it saves you a little, it gives you a little bit of breathing room, like $100, not big, but every little bit adds up. So these are core strategies. And then we have come up with a big one. We call it the cash flow booster, which is which has got the, the biggest impact right now with investors. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to one of my go-to realtors, Jamil Rahimtula, who brings with him 15 plus years of experience as a real estate investor, as well as has a background in renovations and property management. He's found my last handful of deals for myself and also for my students and uh, is great at negotiations as well. But it is important that when you are picking a realtor that they are investors themselves, understand the investment game and have worked with many investors because they're going to be able to bring a team. They're going to be able to bring a team of solid trades and everything else that you need so that you can get into investing and continue your investing game a lot smoother. So in order to reach out to Jamil, you can call or text him. His number is 416-275-7819. Again, it's 416-275-7819 or his website, jamilrahimtula.com. Now back to the show. And now back to the show. So what is that? So it's it's hard to explain it without a paper, but I'll tell you the gist of it. Okay. okay? And you may want to include this chart that I'm sharing here somewhere for clients or for listeners. But essentially, you have a property, you have, let's say, a $520,000 mortgage on it. Let's say it's costing you $2,760 of principal and interest payment. Say this property is renting for $3,500, okay? And let's say expenses are $1,000 right now. If you take the rents minus the mortgage, minus the expenses, you are in a negative cash flow position of $300 per month. So here is the maneuver, okay? Mm -hmm. What we would do is the following. We would set up a secured line of credit on the property, okay? And that line of credit must be advanceable, meaning as we pay down the mortgage, that line increases in capacity. There is a reason for why this line needs to be advanceable. So every month, here is what we would do. We would take $2,760 from the line, make the mortgage payment. And because this line is advanceable, we gain back $489 or $500 roughly of principal pay down. So the line increases by this amount. Now, all of a sudden, instead of you having to cover $2,760 from the rents and run into a negative cash flow, you now have to pay the interest on the line, which drops down significantly to four, four, $14 a month. So if you run the math, $3,500 minus the $14 minus the expenses now gives you a positive cash flow of $2,440 roughly. That is a positive cash flow, which turns your negative cash flow from 310 to this number. Now you're gonna ask me and say, Dahlia, but I'm using the line of credit to pay down the mortgage. And the answer is yes, 
But here is what happens. Let's say we do this for the next 18 months, okay? Because eventually the interest rates will come down. At the end of the 18 months, you're gonna have a line of credit balance of 50,000. The line of credit limit would have increased by 8,000 because that line is increasing as you pay down the mortgage. And somewhere in your cash account, you would have accumulated about $44,000 of cash. I'm not suggesting you take this cash and spend it, but fast forward 18 months, you can use some of this, this cash to pay down the line, or you can convert this line back to a mortgage and start paying down principal and interest because your rents eventually mm -hmm. would have gone up because we are in an environment where the rents are increasing. So this strategy right now is really helping a lot of investors. And again, it's not about saving, it's about riding the wave. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and like you said, 18 months, once things stabilize, I mean, we don't know exactly when, but in the future, when things stabilize, then you can, you can repivot. So here's a question I have, like, is this something, cause I think it's a great strategy. I have many mortgages with advanceable lines, like you just mentioned there. Is this something where you do month to month or is this something where every, once you have $10,000 as an example in the HELOC that you can essentially pull out? Cause I think when I was going to the bank and the branch and it might be different on your end, and I just don't know what the answer is. They want you to pull it but you have to have 10 grand. Okay, so you would pay every month. There are some products that require you to accumulate at least $10,000 before the line of credit increases in its limit. And there are products that would increase it on the spot. And then there are products that require you to turn a switch called an auto advance mm -hmm. to get that advanced over to the line as you make a payment. So every lender Got is it. different, but mm -hmm. the principle is exactly the same. Every month you pay the mortgage, whether you access the limit increase instantaneously or later down the road depends on the lender you're with. But it, it, it the impact on cash flow is still the same regardless of the limit increase. Yeah, no, I think that's a great strategy. And it, it it's interesting that I guess I should probably go to the bank if I wanted to do that strategy and just get them to do it as a, as a recurring thing. So, I mean, I think it's a great strategy. That's why people want to do, and not every lender, I, I think has advanceable like lines of credit options like that. Is that correct? Yeah. Not every lender has it. And then we have, you have to qualify for it so we can help you determine the best place to set it up, which lender and qualification. It's not just a matter of going to the bank and saying, give me a secure advanceable line. That's not right. Hard. Okay, got it. So people, so people listening to this need to reach out to you and just see what strategy to use out of these ones, and then to see if the cash booster with the HELOC, an advanceable HELOC, will will work for them. But I think that's a great strategy because there's a lot of people right now that I'm I'm speaking to, and I'm sure there's many more that you're speaking to, and they're pretty much like cash flow negative. Um, yeah. And so how would something, so like, let's just say they want to qualify for another property, but their cash flow negative, like, is it important to do this, this setup first, maybe before then trying to buy another property or what do you recommend? No. So basically to qualify, if a property is not, is cash flow negative, obviously it's going to have an impact on qualification. So what I typically do is look at market rents. So see if there is an opportunity to get an appraiser's opinion of market rent, because what that could do is it could give us a higher rent to work with to help you mm, qualify. Nice. Then we need to know, okay, what are your goals? Are, if, if you're in pain right now, 
Okay, and you want to buy properties down the road. How are we going to make sure that we solve this problem that we have today and still qualify you and set you up from a financing standpoint to buy? Because when you when you add line of credits to the mix, sometimes that impacts the number. So we have to analyze and figure out where to set it up and how to set it up to, to meet the objectives. But right now, I can tell you, many investors are focused on how can I preserve my cash flow? How can I reduce the pain? And then position myself for growth is the second thing that comes once that's st stabilized. Yeah. So it sounds like it's just individual. It's not like a size, one size fits all. So reach out to Streetwise, obviously, and, and, and Dahlia and her team to, to figure that piece out. Because ultimately, we do this and I, and I, and I preach cash flow, which just there's a lot less now. <laughs> so we've yeah. got to be creative. And I want to go back to the piece where you're talking about the rents and the rents, how the rents are going up. The rents are going up like 20%, 30% mm -hmm. in some markets year over year. Careful with long-term tenants that are going to be there in your rent controlled units for a long time, because next year, I mean, and I have a few of these, I, I'm only going to be able to do a 2.5% increase, but my market rents have gone up 25%, 30% in some areas. So very quickly, you're going to be so far behind market rents. So you mentioned short-term. I know banks and lenders don't love, all, not all lenders love that, but there's short-term, there's midterm. Look at your rent-controlled potential properties once they become vacant and, and really ask yourself, do you want to put another long-term tenant in there? My answer for many properties that I'm, I'm working with is no, for me. Thoughts on that? Well, you're absolutely right. But again, every situation is different. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for a particular client, they may need to put in mm -hmm. a tenant in the property, right? So every yeah. situation is different, but I'm with you. You don't want to lose out on a big upside because of a short-term issue. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, so right now, like, I mean, we're acquiring properties. Many others are are still acquiring properties. I, I know that there's probably a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, but there's also a lot of people still acquiring. Yes. Are we going variable? Are we going fixed? I guess it depends on the strategy, but I'll let you answer that. And then what about like the current portfolio? If you've got a current portfolio of a bunch of variable stuff right now, what's the recommendation? Okay. So here is here is the thing and again nobody has the crystal ball here but there is a likelihood that there will be further rate increases by the bank of canada between now and the end of the year are they going to be at the same magnitude we've seen unlikely but there is probably another 75 points baked into the system by the end of the year so when you're trying to make a rate decision, if you're on a very, if you're on an adjustable rate mortgage, which means that your payment is going to change as the rates change, go to your numbers and run a scenario at another one percent increase and see what happens to your cash flow. Are you okay with it? If you're okay with it, okay, stay where you are, ride the wave, because what if history repeats itself? When inflation is in control and you know, the banks want to re-stimulate the economy, they lift their feet off the gas pedal. So fast forward 18 months out, we should theoretically, or if history repeats itself, we should start to see rates improve. So if you're in a variable rate, adjustable rate mortgage, your payment will go up between now and the end of the year when the Bank of Canada raises. If you can stay put, stay in that product, and then fast forward 18 months out, you will benefit from rate reductions. If you cannot stomach an increase, okay, if you cannot absolutely deal with any more increases, 
My suggestion is one of three things. One, you can look at a variable rate product where the payment is fixed, okay? It's gonna keep your payment the same, but as the rates increase, what, what goes towards principal goes down, what goes towards interest goes up. Or take a one-year fixed or a two-year fixed. This way you're positioning yourself for that future rate reduction. When it comes, you would benefit from it because if you choose to lock into a five-year fixed right now, in my view, you're locking in at the height of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And, and and here's here's the dilemma. The dilemma is is if you look at variable rates and fixed rates, the advantage of variable rates have mm-hmm. diminished. Variable rates used to be below fixed rates. Right now, variable five year variable and five year fixed are at the same level. If if not higher, variable rate is higher in some cases. But that should not be the reason to lock into a five year fixed. It's it's on an individual basis. How is your portfolio going to respond? And again. Long-term locking in is not a recommended option because you would lose out when the rates eventually improve 18 months out or so. So I guess from your experience and and the discussions that you've been having with many experts, you do think that they're going to come down? They will come down, not anytime soon, but they will improve. They're not going to go back to COVID levels because that was a historical low, but they will improve from where they are. Is it going to be this year? No. Next year, unlikely. Maybe 2024 is what I'm reading and based on the discussions I'm having and the and the indicators. So all you can do at this point is say, okay, how is my portfolio looking? Am I okay with another increase? Can I sleep at night? And then we make decisions from there. That's the best we can do. I mean, look at what happened to the race. I read that Canada is on the top of the G10 list in terms of how aggressive they've gone about the rate increases and how fast. Hmm. I can go back to statements by the Bank of Canada. I can't remember the time exactly, but I remember they said it wasn't, it wasn't, it was sometime this year. They said rates are going to stay low for a long time. And then Look what happened. It's like mm-hmm. bam, 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 bam. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the tough part, right? Is there's a, I think a lot of people that were not necessarily investors per se, but like just living paycheck to paycheck and just on fixed incomes and like, how do you think that's going to affect the overall market from financing in general or housing in general with another another point seven five potentially? I would say everyone is feeling it. I know when 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 these mortgages were approved at a histor- in a historically low rate environment, the lenders ran the, the stress test, meaning they did look at the borrower's ability to carry a payment at a five point something rate. So they've gone through that exercise. But my issue with the stress test is is that it's valid at a point in time, right? So someone took a mortgage three years ago, they passed the stress test. Fast forward today, I'm not sure if their situation is still the same. Maybe they've taken on extra debt. Maybe their income has changed. I don't know. So I'm sure there are clients who will feel the pressure and will have to look at options to either carry the property or ride the wave or earn more income or reduce their debts. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a surprise. Is Are we expecting foreclosures and defaults? I don't think so, but it's going to, there, there is pressure. There is definitely, definitely pressure. Okay. Now in terms of like appraisals, 
right? Because the market, I'm, I'm seeing some really good deals on the purchase side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also seeing things tighten up a little bit on the after repair appraisal side. What insights can you provide from a, just having the insight on many appraisers and, and many banks and how they're appraising things right now? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing softening valuations. It's for a simple reason. It's because appraisers look historically at values. And as we got out of that cycle where buyers are bidding, like bidding above prices and above asking, now it's at asking or below asking in some cases. So whatever is selling is selling at that benchmark. So it's being reflected in the value. So we're seeing lower valuations. What does what, what that means for purchasers is you really got to have your conditions in. So you want to make sure that your offer is conditional on appraisal or conditional on financing. Why? Because I want to validate the value in this market because th- there are markets that are still shifting as we speak, right? So you don't want to be in a position where you've purchased and the value is coming below because you're going to have to inject that amount out of your own pocket. So protect yourself, put in the appraisal condition. For those who are doing the birth strategy, the buy, renovate, refinance rent, and are expecting to exit in the market ahead or, or thought they're going to exit now and the values are not coming through, there are two things here. So for those who are going to do the birth strategy, you have to be absolutely, absolutely very conservative. I would see it, say, be prepared not to pull your all of your money out and look at what that scenario looks like. That's number one. I mean, the, the great scenario is my value is going to be above where it is and I'm going to be able to pull money and take it to my next deal. But I want you to be conservative. You got to be conservative and see what that looks like. And then you don't want to really over leverage right now. You don't want to go with high leverage, private money to renovate properties and to acquire properties because aside from values being soft, I'm also seeing private lenders as time passes be more conservative in terms of whether they want to renew, how much are they charging, their comfort level being in certain markets. So don't over leverage and be conservative in how you run the numbers. Mm-hmm. For, for clients who are in a birth strategy already and they're looking to exit right now, we're seeing some deals where, of course, value is softer than what the client is, has, has, has planned for. So we have to look at alternatives. And if and, and you have to, we just have to find solutions. That's all I can say. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you looking for a reliable contractor for your next Burr multifamily conversion or flip project? Somebody who understands how to work with investors and also real estate investing itself. I've personally partnered with Lee Polak from Wise Construction. We're actively doing many projects together in Hamilton and Wellen. So things like smaller three and four unit conversions and also some larger buildings where we're converting some large empty commercial spaces into residential units. And it's always been important to me to partner and hire a contractor who does not only high quality work, but is on time and on budget. And it's also a huge bonus that they have their own in-house trades, employees, and a warehouse full of building materials so that they can avoid the many labor and material shortages that we hear about often these days. A good project done on time, on budget, and with high quality work will be key to the success of your Burr multifamily conversion or flip project. So to connect with Lee from Wise Construction, text or phone him at 416-525-5500. 
416-525-5951. Again, that is 416-525-5951. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, definitely there's there's some unknowns, right? There's some unknowns with if you're starting a project today, exactly what the ARV is going to look like in six months, 12 months down the road. Are there any like real estate strategies that you would say right now may not be a good time, like flipping or certain types of strategies that maybe somebody was doing the last five years very successfully that they might want to just take a, a little bit of a break and, and repivot potentially? So we, we all know, Sarah, that real estate in the long run does well, right? If you're in the right markets with the right fundamentals. The question is, when you're in a down cycle, which we are in in Ontario, I'm not generalizing all markets in Canada here, but when you're in a down cycle, you got to think, okay, how am I going to write the cycle from a financial standpoint, which we talked about? From a strategy standpoint, we don't know where the floor is. I don't know where the floor is. Temporarily, there is a decline. Long-term, there will be an improvement. So I would say avoid anything that is trying to time the market right now. Timing the market is I'm going to refinance in six months and the value is going to be X. That's timing the market, okay? Well, if you can, great. But if you can't, can you hold it for the long-term And what would that look like? And are you okay leaving your money into the deal? So for the birth strategy, I would just run the numbers differently and prepare to keep my money in the deal. Flip is not a good idea in my view because flip is, I got to get out to make my money. And right now I don't think it's the way to, to, to go. Assignments is another one where is also a riskier strategy in this, in this cycle, in my view. Yeah. I mean, I, I was never a fan of the buy, wait, and assign thing with no other exit, especially if it's like very expensive and you're you're just trying to flip a paper contract. Even in a good market, I never, it's just not my strategy. Again, it's not for every, like some people have done really well, but I find that, that is very risky because you don't know once, well, first of all, you, you may not be able to sign it at that point in time, depending on what happens. But even if you have to close on it, I mean, if you you didn't even expect to close on it, now all of a sudden you got to close on it and we don't know what kind of market we're going to be in, what kind of lending you know, you're know you going to be going into. And I, I could see, unfortunately, a lot of bad happening with, with some of that. Yes, I. there are several deals that have come my way where investors bought, not bought, put contracts in or secured contracts to assign them on multiple properties and now they can't assign them and we have to figure out how they're going to keep these properties. And of course there is a cost to it and financing and all of that. And some of them have to go private to just hold on to these properties. So that's the thing with assignment. It's, it's timing the market. And yes, there was a lot of money to be made in it, but right now I it's, it's one of these strategies that investors should stay away from in my view. Like yeah, you said. agreed. I don't, I don't think it works right now. I mean, unless you're buying pre-construction and it's like a duplex or a triplex, you're, you plan on closing on it, you're getting everything in order to actually cash flow when, when it actually happens. But don't buy anything pre-construction right now is what I'm going to say to everybody here with the only goal of assigning it. If you're, if you're like planning on closing on it and it's going to cash flow at the end and you have all your, your, your T's crossed and your I's dotted, it's a different story. But just for me, I know like a lot of people are pushing this like buy, wait, and assign strategy. It is not the right market for this. Yeah. 
flipping is not the right market at, at all. I think right now with, with so much uncertainty, but yeah, those are probably my, my main two things that I'm like, just try to do something a little bit different. Like you said, don't time the market. These are long-term plays. So what is a long-term play that you can do? Probably not flipping and, and assigning contracts. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. So, so obviously it's important to, to have staying power as, as things are shifting and there's lots of unknowns and we don't know, like you said, where exactly the bottom will be and what that will look like. What are some things that somebody can do listening to this to stabilize their portfolio? So right now it's about making sure you can sleep at night and you stabilize the portfolio. If, if rates go up, which they will, again, as I, as mentioned earlier, we want to make sure that we looked at your portfolio cash flow. Are you okay? Are you not okay? If you're not okay, what are we going to do about it? Right. And then aside from challenges and pain, we know there will be opportunities for investors, right? We know that. So I don't want investors to forget about that because this is the time to actually find deals and negotiate deals and and get into the market. It wasn't it wasn't six months ago. This is the market that we've been wanting to 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 work with because you can find better deals. Mm-hmm. So for that, you have to prepare, right? And that requires capital. Those who have capital will be in a great position to move faster. What do I mean by that? One, secured line of credits. I'm a big fan of secured line of credits. Why? Because you have them in your back pocket. They don't cost you money every month. And as much as values have gone down, there are still equity. There is equity in properties. It's not like equity has gone down to zero. So so there are properties that we can increase line of credits on or set up new line of credits on to have that capital in your back pocket. If you have JV partners, you want to pre-position their their mortgages. You want your JV partners to speak with their broker or we're happy to help them to get them pre-positioned so that when the time comes, they're able to move forward with you on deals. So that is setting up capital. I know we're talking about challenges and issues and we got to make sure that's taken care of, but let's not forget about the growth. The opportunity. And the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's like literally in Hamilton, the last two deals, the one we bought for $4.95 and one we bought for $5.15. Like that's that's unheard of. Like in Hamilton, like a two and a half story property, like we were buying those at like high sixes, Yes, like mid sevens, some eights down the road back in the day. So like yeah. things are, I mean, again, like there's still, there's still some that are selling at that price, but there's a lot of sellers I'm finding right now are a lot more motivated than they would have been back in January and February. So negotiating the other thing that like you mentioned, like we can actually add clauses in these offers now. So inspection and financing and I mean, and going back to the seller with the inspection report with all the problems because these are old houses there's going to be lots of stuff and being able to actually renegotiate the price down has been something that we wouldn't have been able to do even in the last couple of years right yeah exactly i am i on that note i am looking at some apartment buildings right now in east durham and i'm able to put in conditions again where there was like people are buying apartment buildings firm it's <laughs> insane crazy so, it's 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 actually a good environment for investors to do their diligence, negotiate and make deals work again. Yeah, absolutely. 
So what would you tell somebody that that is just sitting on the sidelines right now with cash and, but they want to start, but they don't want to potentially, they want to time the market and see how much lower it's going to go. What are some insights? If you're not, if you're not doing a flip or an assignment, I actually have a great chart that I covered during a recent conference at the Toronto Money Show. And the, the, the chart showed the following. It showed that if you have a property and it's cash flowing and you're paying down the mortgage and you're getting tax efficiencies, right? And if you have an opportunity to add upside, maybe, maybe not. If appreciation is zero, zero, and I ran the numbers at 30 years, zero appreciation, okay? It is still well worth your while to buy it. So price is just one variable. It's not how we make decisions on real estate. It's run the numbers. Yes, the rates are up, but the values are better. Run the numbers. If the deal makes sense and you're going to hold on to it in the long term and we know rents are increasing and you're going to get all of the benefits of buying real estate, the answer is simple do it. There is no waiting for the prices to go down further or waiting for the market to correct. Or if you're not flipping, who cares? If the numbers work, great. The numbers work. It's as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So one last question, then we're going to go to our lightning round. So if somebody has got some renewals coming up, let's just say in the next six months, are there like risks of potentially them not being renewed if they've paid on time, just based on the rates having increased? Like, should they renew sooner than later? Like, what what can you say about renewals? So with renewals, obviously, everyone is coming out of a renewal into a higher rate environment. I would suggest not to wait until you get the renewal notice. Start your renewal process six months earlier, meaning reach out to the lender, say, what are they offering you? Reach out to the broker, say, let them look at options for you. Because if you're able to lock in now on a better rate, then that's the way to go. Um, private mortgages in particular, if you're on a private mortgage that is coming up for renewal in the next six months, reach out for an early renewal now or talk to your broker to exit that deal if you can, because I'm finding that some private lenders are shifting focus in terms of how much they want to keep in a deal, what they're charging, because their cost of money has also gone up. So start six months early with renewals is, is key right now. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's insightful. And then from the private lender standpoint, are you finding a lot of private lenders like fully pulling out or is it just a, like a lower loan to value that they want to do now? Yeah, no, it's not full. No, I'm not seeing anybody fully pull out. It is just lower loan to value. If they're funding a new deal, if they're in an existing deal, some of them are increasing their pricing because their cost of money has gone up. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And Good. and uh, sorry, Sarah, one thing on renewal mm -hmm. with every lender, by the way, there are, there are always clauses in like standard legal language. There are lenders from time to time. I've seen this happen from time to time. They may come in at renewal time and say, sorry, we're no longer interested in being in this market. You got to pay us out by this date. Institutional lenders, this is not private money. I've seen mm -hmm. this happen. So this is why don't wait until this, this renewal letter comes. Start the conversation six months earlier. 
Yeah. Great advice. Thank you so much. And guys, yeah, if any of this stuff struck a chord or you have questions or potentially you want to reposition things so that you can ride this next year or two years, who knows exactly how long, please reach out to Streetwise. I mean, you guys, Dalia, like you've helped me tremendously. You keep helping me all the time. <laughs> you answer all of my crazy questions and I really appreciate that. And you bring a ton of value and you're also an investor and you're also an investor currently purchasing things still and, and figuring out how to take advantage of the opportunities along the way. So this is not necessarily a time to just full stop and do nothing, but this is probably a time to just make sure that you're in it for the long game and you take the right and you make the right moves thinking with a long-term strategy in mind. So Dahlia, we're going to do the lightning round next. And because you've done this many, many times, I'm just going to make up some questions as we go and give me the first answer that comes to mind in like 20 seconds or less. Are you ready? Yeah. Today's lightning round has been brought to you by midtermrentalproperties.ca. It is a new way to rent, make more cash flow, take back control over our investments and our portfolios using a different creative strategy and pivoting. So if you want to find out more, go to midtermrentalproperties.ca. Okay. All right. Question number one, right now in this market, if you had to pick one of your favorite strategies, what would it be? Investing in apartment buildings. Okay. All right. Number two, there's a new MLI select CMHC program. What can you tell us in like 20 seconds or less why that is potentially a good program to consider? Or maybe, maybe not. Any program with CMHC on the multifamily side comes with a fine print. I'm going to talk fast about this one. Comes with a fine print that we got to read. Are there great things? Absolutely. Uh, MLI gives you extended amortization lower rates, more exceptions, but you have to meet a point system on either keeping the rents below within the affordability thresholds that CMHC sets or having your building being energy efficient or accessibility. So there is a point system. Is it a great program? Yes, there is some fine print. If you're thinking about MLI, reach out to us and we can help you determine whether it's the right program for you or the, the regular program is better for you. Awesome. And I feel like that could be a whole episode on its own. <laughs> oh, that's another episode for sure. All right. Question number three. What are your three top markets right now that you're like, the, there's still some good deals. I'm seeing students, I'm seeing investors making some good deals, purchases in those markets. If you had to pick your top three as of today. I'm seeing still, I'm, I'm still coming across good deals in Ontario, believe it or not. Okay, because the values have come down and investors who know what they're doing are finding good deals. So Ontario is still market depending on your strategy. Apartment buildings in Alberta, I'm seeing good apartment buildings deal in Alberta, but you got to know the market. These, these are the top two, I would say. Okay. All right. Awesome. Number four, what are you projecting is going to happen with rents? Oh, rents are increasing. I mean, I, I, this not, this is not my projection. This is statistics everywhere that is showing that rents are increasing. There is pressure and rents are going up. And that's what we talked about earlier. Do you want to lock in long-term tenants right now, knowing that there is an upside? That's a decision you, you, you have to think about, but yes, rents are going up. All right. And last question, number five, what are you currently telling an investor right now that is cash flow negative, but is repositioning? Like what are like two or three main things that you're helping them with? So for investors who are cash flow negative, I want to 
let you know that there are solutions. And we talked about this in this session Mm -hmm. here. Reach out. Don't think that the sky is falling and there is nothing you can do. That's number one. Number two, for those who are experiencing challenges are in, are, uh, and are in pain, there are solutions, but I want to make sure that they still benefit from the opportunities ahead and we want to position their finances to be able to do that. So just reach out, have a discussion. Okay. All right. Amazing. Reach out to Streetwise Mortgages. Reach out to Dahlia and her team. Dahlia, what is the best way to reach out to you and your team? Our website, streetwisemortgages.com. There is a form to contact us to book a complimentary planning session or email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Amazing. Dahlia, thank you so much. Thanks for all the insights. Thanks for your help along the way. Guys, My reach pleasure. out to Streetwise and I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to help you maneuver through whatever the challenges are or the opportunities as well. So thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.